Always a privilege to be here in Northern Virginia with you. My wife, Kathy, who's with me in this service, grew up in Falls Church not far from here. I've been coming here around 20 years, I think. I can't quite remember. When you get to be 60, it kind of runs together. Um, but Brett and Cynthia are among our dearest friends in the world. It's great to see Cynthia. Pastor Brett's in L.A. with one of the churches you've planted. So let's pray. Father, I'm just really thankful to be here. Thank you for this word that you care for us. I'm even in tough seasons of our life. Amen. I was talking to Pastor Brett this week, and we talk multiple times every month. Um, one of the great privileges at 60 is the privilege of doing something you really love to do with your best friends. Um, I'm, I'm a blessed man, quite honestly. I was telling Brett that the good news was God's given me a brand new message. The bad news was the subject. So I'm going to entitle this message, The Wilderness. How many of you have ever been there? Raise your hand. I, know in the, I noticed in the last two services when it came time to respond to the message, like 95% of the people raised their hands. So it sounds like this message is from the Lord. I'm going to subtitle it, Wondering, wander, Wandering, or Walking. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you. Deuteronomy 8, 15 and 16 describes the wilderness. He led you through a vast and dreadful wilderness that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock, gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble you, test you. Not because he hated you, I add that, so it might go well with you in the end. Today we're celebrating Pentecost Sunday. Love the Holy Spirit. The Bible says our comforter, he's our guide, he reveals Christ to us. He empowers us. Also, some things we don't like, he's our convictor. But we find in Matthew 4.1, Jesus was led by this very same Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Many of you find yourselves in a pretty hard period of time today. Some of you are still trying to figure out, man, what has hit me, Pastor Jim? When's this going to end? How did my dream, my dream spouse, my dream job, my dream child turn into a nightmare? Is there any way out of this? Others, you kind of find yourself just wandering today, not necessarily wandering from God, but trying to muddle through a very difficult period in your life. Hard to see much purpose for it. Why? In fact, whether you are a committed believer or you're just trying to figure out God, all humans go through periods of time which can only be characterized as a wilderness. What is this wilderness? It's a place where God brings you to a whole new dependency on him. It's a season of time, a problem, a situation, a place where without God's help, you don't know how you're going to make it. Moses spent 80 years in the wilderness out of his 120. That may make some of you feel better today. <laughs> Children of Israel spent 40 years. It didn't seem to be enough, but that's how long they spent there. Jesus, 40 days, and you'll have your days, your months, and possibly your years in the wilderness. Why? I want to answer that question. Why would God lead you? through a hard period of time. If he loves you, why would he do that? And once we've looked at that, 
I'll answer the question, how do I survive and maybe even thrive? What do I do? I've been a Christian 52 years. Um, preaching 41 years, married 36 years. I was, my mom and dad were amazing. Uh, they didn't have money. Most he ever made as a pastor was $700 a month. So he'd fix people's cars and work at the gas electric company and work all night and pastor all day. And church was in one of the most toughest gang areas around. Third of it was alcoholics and drug addicts. Our church was multi-ethnic before that was popular. Um, people that went to our church had been partial and bottomized by the state of California. They'd murdered so many people. They were hell's angel drug enforcers. It was a beautiful group. Um, a third of them were alcoholics and drug addicts. Um, but my parents helped me to understand life's hard, but Christ will help you. Why? What is this about? Let me give you some reasons why. First of all, God's proving you. That's a nasty word. We don't like it. He's testing you. It says in Deuteronomy 8 too. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to find out what was in your heart. One of the reasons God will allow you and even lead you into a time like this is for you to have a little self-revelation. When things are going well, it's easy to forget what really lurks on the inside of us. How mad we can get. How frustrated we can get. How many of you are shocked at the things that come out of your mouth in the wilderness? Just be honest. I can't even say them all up here from the pulpit. I mean, like, where are you? It's been a long time since you were down here. This is hard. I mean, I can get frustrated. Unbelief, self-pity, despair, anger. Why does God have to get them out of your heart and into the open? Because if you carry them in your heart into your promised land, you'll destroy it. God allows you to come into the wilderness for you to see what's inside of you. He's proving you. He's testing you. Because if he doesn't let you see it, you can never deal with it. Moses finally said, his second time around the 40 years in the wilderness, he said, I wish you'd just kill me. I'm sick of seeing my wretchedness. So this, Lord, he said, I'm so tired of seeing what's in my heart. I don't know if I can bear it anymore. I've been a Christian a long time. But one of my last wildernesses, of course, it seems like my life has had a lot of wildernesses broken up by occasional oases. I don't know if that sounds familiar. But one of my last ones, I was stunned how mad I got at God. He goes, you're mad at me, aren't you? I go, I am. He goes, I'm used to it. And like it didn't move him much. Don't ever try a hunger strike with God and call it a fast. You'll starve before he'll quit. I'm just tell you now. It ain't going to work. I won't eat until you bless me. I'll see you in heaven in a few months. But he, he doesn't just bring you into the wilderness to prove you. He shows you his provision. It says in Deuteronomy 8, 3 and 4, he humbled you, causing you to hunger. Then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't swell for 40 years. 
He doesn't just bring you into the wilderness to prove what's in you. He brings you into the wilderness to prove what's in him. Some of you are in one of those, one of those wilderness right now. Bills loom over your life. Financial situations that you don't know what to do with. When you're young, you have financial problems. When you're older, you have financial opportunities, but they feel the same. They woke up every morning realizing if bread didn't fall from heaven, they'd soon be dead. If water didn't gush from a rock, they had about three more days to live. God will bring you into the wilderness to show you the true source of provision. It's designed to let you know how needy you are. I woke up yesterday looking around my complex wilderness, which I'll define more in a moment, realizing I couldn't do it. That if God did not give me strength, I, don't, I couldn't negotiate it. He spoke to me that morning. He said, you've got superhuman strength. I'm in you. Tap into it. Thirdly, it's about your preparation. It's not mindless. It's not meaningless. God is preparing you for your promised land. And the greater your promised land, the greater many times the duration and the intensity of your wilderness will be. Because your wilderness always precedes your promised land. It says this in Deuteronomy 8, 5 through 9. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, as a good mom or good dad trains that child, deals with that child, shapes that child, God is doing the same when you're in the wilderness. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. You're going through to bring you in. It's a land with brooks and streams and hills and wheat and barley and ad living olive and honey and a land where you'll not be, have a bread scarcity. You lack nothing. Why is this simply a time of feeling impoverished typically precede a time of feeling very prosperous? It's because if you don't allow God to train you and shape you, you'll spoil your promised land. God, why aren't you bringing me that man or woman of my dreams? Because you'd turn he or she into a nightmare unless I trained you. Where's my dream job? Waiting for me to finish making a dream employee. He'll work on you. Oh, he can give you what you want. It's a whole other matter to repair you so it won't wreck you. Why is God allowing you in the wilderness? For the same reason you disciplined your child. Because you realized disciplining your child was far better than them being disciplined in the real brutal world. He'll prepare you. He'll shape you. He'll teach you to be grateful. He'll teach you to need him. Some of you are being prepared for amazing things. But there's a price. He's going to prepare you. There's no escaping it. And if you do, the alternative is even worse. You'll enter the thing you long for, not ready for it. You run the risk of wrecking it. I'll marry he or she, I'll say. I 
beg you to wait a bit. I'll do it. Okay. Enjoy your nightmare. I thought it was God. It didn't turn out right. That wasn't God's fault. Not only that, not only will he prepare, he'll purify you. I'm just sorry. He will. It says in Hosea 2, 14 through 16, I'm going to allure her. Israel is bound up in idolatry and God replacements. I'm going to lead her into the wilderness. And then I'll speak tenderly to her. And I'm going to give her back her vineyards there, her love for me, her grace for me. In the valley of Achor, the valley of trouble, it's going to be the door of her hope. And she's going to respond to me again. God will purify you. Why is God so picky? Because everything he's picky about will kill something you love or someone you love. Sin's not just about God. It's about him loving you. That selfishness, that pride, that lust, that unbelief, that anger will wreck your soul and wreck those you love. And God will bring you to a time where you see it so much in your life, you finally grow sick of it. He'll use the wilderness. Many of you find yourself there today. You don't like it. Oh, but there's a purpose to it. How long will he leave me there? Can I tithe my way out? I've tried it. Can I pray my way out? Doesn't work. He knows you're faking it. Can I gripe my way out? Experts have tried it for years. When will you come out? When you're ready for your promised land. When you're ready. He doesn't just purify you. He protects you. Now, I'm going to talk about that at three levels this morning. In Revelation 12, 4, it says the woman speaking of the church, depending how you interpret that whole thing in Revelation 12, was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her at the beach in the Ritz-Carlton, no. That she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness, where she'd be taken care of for a time, times a half a time, out of the devil's reach. Now let's look at this in macro, then narrow it down to your life. I've worked with a church in China quite a bit. Been there and seen the underground church. And the greatest threat to the church in China was never persecution. It was freedom from persecution. Persecution and being cast out of society and castigated and hated kept them from being infected and destroyed by the very things running rampant in that society. The greatest challenge today is they're coming out of the wilderness and the government's loving them more and more. God will sometimes pull us out of society for a season to protect us, to preserve us. Recab, one of the great men of the Bible, told all his kids and grandchildren before he died, he said, there's a horrible time coming to our country. Don't live in the cities, live in the desert, and you'll make it. Makes no sense sometimes. Secondly, he's protecting you from yourself. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You might say to yourself, by my power and my strength, I've built this company. I've built my family. I've built my stock account. I built my education when no one believed in me. I'm just a rags to riches story. 
But remember, it's the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Those times in the wilderness that humble you, protect you later from the pride that comes in prosperity when you're tempted to forget him. Kathy and I got married. We spray-painted a cardboard box, put two bean bags on every side. Fortunately, she had a bed and a kitchen table, and there we were. Her father was very high in the government and, you know, phoned to the president, all of it. And when I went to ask her, his, ask him to let me marry his daughter, they were going to raise me from $200 a month to $660 a month. That was not very impressive to him. She was, left her job to go to work for our church, made $440 a month. That was even less impressive to him since he had paid for her education. Boy, God just provided for us in those days, took care of us in those days. And when he prospered us, we never forgot the source. He'll protect you from himself. The things you learn in the wilderness will protect you when you get out. That God took care of you. That God loved you. That God was watching over you. It says this in Exodus 13, 17 through 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. Though that was shorter, for God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. Why are we in this wilderness? Because if you would have gone the short way, you'd all be dead. Why don't I have this job? Would have killed you. Why don't I have that man or woman? You weren't ready. Why is it taking so long? Because that's just how long it's taking to get you ready for what you've been dreaming about. The only thing worse than not getting your dream is getting it too soon. Why am I here, Pastor Jim? Because where you want to be would be worse than the wilderness if you got there prematurely. The only thing worse than a wilderness is turning your promised land into one. It loves you. It's caring for you. Now, it gets more complex in this point. Probably the most difficult wilderness in the world is not the one about you. It's the one you've been dragged into because of someone you love. It says of Moses, when he was 40 years old in Acts 7.23, he decided to visit his people Israel. Mighty in word and deed, general, son of Pharaoh's daughter, walked out and looked at those enslaved people and realized, that's who I really am. He didn't have a very good start to his church, murdered a man the second or third day, is probably the best way to start pastoring, <laughs> and ended up, for 40 years, according to Acts 7.30, after 40 years, God finally showed up. You know what I mean? That means he wandered in that stinking desert with a herd of sheep, which Egyptians despised, for 40 years until God appeared to him. How many of you? That's just frustrating. Raise your hand. 40 years. 40 years. 
God got the Egypt out of him so he could trust him to go back to Egypt and rescue his whole ethnic group. Forty years it took God. And where did he go after 40 years in the wilderness? Forty more years in the wilderness, according to Acts 7.36. But this time it wasn't about him. It was about them. I find now that I'm 60, and Kathy would agree, that the wilderness is God uses us, but a lot of times we're dragged through in with someone we love, one of our children. If you've got seven children, there's always at least one of them in the wilderness. The period that's preparing them for that job or that spouse or that thing in their life. How many of you know there's nothing like a kid to drag you through a painful wilderness? Some of you are being dragged by that spouse through a painful wilderness. Some of you are being dragged by that company through a painful wilderness. It's just hard. Moses passed the first time. He flunked the second time because he got so mad at the people he was being dragged with. So tired of it. So frustrated about it. I was praying the other morning. I love my kids. They're wonderful. But I've got at least four of them in unique wildernesses, believing for the right job, believing. It's months, and it's dragging me right with them. I said, Lord! He goes, your kids are in the wilderness. Too bad. I realized if they were, I was. Many of you remember that lie you believed as a parent when your first child was born, that at 18 they'd be gone. Remember that? You raise them, they're gone. That's just a bad lie. It's not true. If you raise them right, they never want to leave you. You raise them wrong, you're stuck with them. Listen, that's just a fact. It ain't like they go away. They never do. And they're not cheaper as they get older. That's a lie too. You get seven kids, you think you're, reading a, you're raising a colony of heroin addicts. It's just bad. It's just expensive. And every time they go through a wilderness, you just drag through with them. How many parents say amen? amen. It's a fact. That's just the hardest kind of wilderness. Not easy. Money can't insulate you from it. I'm talking to one of the great men in the church. We were, we were going down the stairs together, and we was talking about his son, and he's battling for him. I said, there's just no worse pain. Some of you are in a wilderness that's not about you. It's about someone you love, and you're walking through it with them. That's how Moses felt for 40 years. I'm here because of you. In fact, before he died, he blamed him. This is your fault. He didn't do real well passing that test. Now, if you find yourself in the wilderness, what do you do? How do you handle it? What do you do? You face, you feast, you fight. You face, you feast, you fight. What do you face? Best start by facing the fact that you're in one. Matthew 4, 1 said, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It was so bad that when he taught him how to pray a few days later, one of the big things was, lead me not into temptation. Why do you have to face it? Because until you face it, you'll fight it and you'll lose the grace you need. I'm in a wilderness. Okay? That may feel bad, but it isn't bad. That means you're preparing me or someone I love to possess their promised land. I receive it. I'm not going to fight it. It's where I am. Secondly, you better learn to feast in it. 
The Psalms and children can, can God prepare a table in my wilderness? Yes, he can. In John 6, 48 through 49, Jesus warned him. He says this, I'm the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and died. Why was that germane? Because just a few days before he had fed the 5,000, which is really probably 25,000, including women and children. He'd given him fish. He'd given him bread. He'd given him all these things. You know, you know, they were feasting on that. And he said, you're about to make the mistake they made in the wilderness thinking they could live on man and not on my father. I appreciate Brett's one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard. But his message isn't enough to sustain you all week long in your wilderness. In fact, Brett's job isn't to feed you, is to equip you to feed yourself when you're not here in church on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. The wilderness is designed to give you an appetite for God. It's designed for that. And if you don't find his strength, something in you will perish. Your love, your faith, your hope. Thirdly, and lastly, you have to fight. Wish you didn't. When the enemy came after Jesus in Matthew 4, 4 and said, why don't you turn these stones into bread? Listen, he had fasted 40 days. After 40 days, he hungered. That's the difference in Jesus. And I fast one day, I'm hungry. <laughs> Thought to myself, if the devil told me turn that stone into bread, I'd resist him. He took, turn him turn into a cheeseburger, I might be overcome. <laughs> but Jesus said this, man doesn't live by bread alone. Man doesn't live by circumstances alone. Man doesn't live by getting what he wants alone. Woman doesn't live by that. I live by every word that proceeds out of my dad's mouth. Now, when you look in the Septuagint, that's the Greek version of the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 8. That word's rhema. It means you speak it out. You say it. There's a power to it. I get into situations in the wilderness. I better speak the word because the alternative is even worse. Because out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. I was in the wilderness one time. It hit, I hit such a low point. Lord said, shut up. You know that mouth's going to get you in trouble. Just quote the Bible. I just sat in my car and quoted the Bible. Why? Because I knew what else was going to come out of my mouth if I didn't. Just a fact. Things churning you, burning you, yearning you. A lot of you are in the wilderness. Some of you have been dragged with a person you really love. And as much as we're laughing, this little Sunday service is like our oasis. We wish we didn't have to go back out into the sand. But we do. The good news is there is a heaven. The other good news is there are also some pretty amazing promised lands down here. Join me up here, Pastor Duke, please. You'd say this morning, Pastor Jim... Either I or someone I love is in the wilderness. I need you to pray for me. Put your hand up. Making me feel better, I see all those hands go up. Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you for this great church. Lord, as a church, many of them are in the wilderness right now. Lord, it's because they're getting ready to walk into a whole new level of promised land. Not just into a building made with hands, but into a whole new level of effectiveness in their life and their marriage. Many of them are in some real tough personal wildernesses. They're weary, Lord. They know all your promises to feed them, but they're just hurting. I've been there. It's frustrating. Wanting to quit. Help them, Jesus.
come down and touch him, Spirit of God. Just come down and touch him by your presence. Touch him, Lord. We appreciate heaven, but we don't live there yet, Lord. In fact, we're not really in a hurry most of the time. And so we ask you to help us, meet us, touch us.